You are freer than you think. It's like the ultimate form of freedom. You expound upon that freedom to develop on this planet. True freedom comes from within. It's the ability. Thinking to myself, I can help you or I can destroy you. Man, as a two-time felon, I work really hard and I've been, a, I've been a life learner. When things are feeling tough, let yourself be surprised. The world favors risk-taking. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Freedom Pact. Okay, joining me on the Freedom Pact podcast today is M.O. Kelly, author of this book right here, Sauna, The Power of Deep Heat. Emma, welcome to the Freedom Pact podcast. Thank you very much for having me. It's good to be here. It's an absolute pleasure. Now, when I mentioned on my Instagram story that you were coming on the show and we were going to have this conversation, one of the topics I was hit with uh, the most was about the link between sauna benefit and cardiovascular health. Um, It seems to be a really big topic at the moment. And I think for a lot of people, it's the, well, in my experience, in my circle, it's sort of the main motivator for people getting in the sauna these days. I mean, as, as you know, my friends of mine were starting to, you know, to turn into our thirties, forties, these are the types of drivers for uh, oh. my circle of friends. So I'd love if we could start and I could ask you what we know about the link between sauna use and cardiovascular health. Well, they know, uh, they've d- most of the studies have been done in Scandinavia obviously, where the sauna bathing nations and, you know, we're trying here and we're at the early stages of doing our own. Um, There's a Dr. Tom Cullen at the University of Coventry who's looking into heat therapy, that sauna, hot baths, hot tubs, that it for sure improves cardiovascular. You know, this has been proven. So it stimulates your blood flow and it's therefore it stimulates the strength of your organs and the the going in and out makes your heart stronger as a muscle because it beats faster and all these things um and there's also a very strong link with sauna and blood pressure actually that it's very good for high blood pressure so because everything is working more efficiently it helps you bring your blood pressure down so yeah all of these things are proven um and have been for well 2019 really there were lots of theories and then it was actually proven because there was a long trial uh in in finland that took place over 20 years and as far as they could tell with all other other factors taken away that the sauna was the main um driver in the in the bringing down cardiovascular diseases by a very high percentage so it helps if you sauna more re- the more saunas you have the better the outcomes but even if you do it every now and then it's better than not doing it at all okay. for sure so uh and you know cardiovascular diseases are the number one cause of death in the western world like 80 percent cause of death uh is through cardiovascular so kind of makes sense that we should all be going getting in the sauna really yeah i mean I don't know if it's a uh, sort of post-pandemic effect or or anything like that, but it seems to be that the interest in um, sauna use, in ice baths, in just playing with different temperatures, it seems to, you know, really make its way into the mainstream as of late. I mean, 
these were conversations I was originally listening to and guys like Andrew Huberman were talking about. Um, but now, I, I mean, even people like Wim Hof have a show on the BBC. It seems to be yeah. really breaking through to the mainstream. Why do you think that is? Well, because it works. I'm a cold swimmer and I've been a cold swimmer for about seven years. And um, there's something, so I started I wasn't into sauna then. It was the swimming because I live near outdoor natural ponds and an unheated lighter. So I'm very lucky that I've got cold water that's very accessible. Yeah. And it just does make you feel something that you don't feel doing other exercise. It, competitive sports are great or, you know, yoga's good, but there's something about that temperature change. And then when I got into sauna which took me a while. It was hard, like like cold swimming is, you know, it, dealing with those high temperatures is challenging. But once you get into it, it, it too becomes quite addictive, like the cold. And then obviously then when you have the cold and the hot together, <laughs> you've hit the, the perfect, <laughs> perfect moment, really. Both of them combined is the best. And obviously the Scandinavians have known that for centuries. You know, yeah. we've just taken a while to catch up there with that. Um, so, you know, usually in those countries, there's a cold body of water at hand. Not always, but yeah. that's a, a, a free flowing water as well. Mm. So, uh, yeah. You, uh, yeah, you don't have to go far in the UK to, to find a bit of cold. Um, I originally, when... Going back a few years when I was, before I got interested in this topic of sauna and, and, and temperature, I remember my, my father used to go down to the sauna and I used to think he was wasting his time. I thought, you you know, you, you're sweating uh, for sweating sake. There's no exercise involved. And, you know, I, I used to think it was a, a bit of a waste of time, but it wasn't until I sort of tried it for myself. And like you mentioned there, there is that feeling you know, when you're going into it, you have all these questions. Does it really have an effect? You know, is there is there placebo at play? But when you feel it firsthand, I think for the first time, it's almost a, an undeniable feeling that something good is happening. I wonder if you remember the first time that you stepped in a sauna and if you had any sort of reservations about uh, its benefits beforehand and how you felt after your first uh, sauna experience. Well, my first sauna experience very it was 2016 when I got the idea for the book and I was in Finland on assignment for wallpaper doing an art story and I was on an island and we'd finished the job and we all went in the sauna and then there was a lake and we were drinking beer and it was a load of artists and the photographer and we were having mega fun I was like wow this is great but I wasn't so focused on the health benefits then more the fun benefits but um and then you know it was a few more years before anybody at all wanted to commission the idea of our book but you know that eventually happened post pandemic and on the back of the cold water swimming scene I would say because they very much in the UK anyway seem to they're, they're very complementary um so it, you know you can see why the saunas spring up on beaches and so on um and then when I started writing the book the first place I went to were the Hackney Community Bards and there you they have wood-fired finished saunas so the real deal in terms of 
and you're allowed to pour water on the rocks, which again is the real deal in, in terms of the Scandinavian way. And pouring water on the rocks makes a much better sauna because you get the steam. And I I did the hot and then I went in the cold barrel and I stayed in there for so long, I then got really dizzy. So then I had to go back in the sauna in my coat, my gloves, my hat. Wow. <laughs> in the sauna, I was like, okay, I haven't really haven't got the hang of this thermoregulatory mm-hmm. ping pong. I've I've I how am I going to do this book? Yeah. <laughs> but then uh, the, the photographer who I work with, who's Finnish and lives in Helsinki, who was like most Finns, has been going to the sauna since she was a baby and has a sauna in her house and a portable tent sauna that she takes with her when she goes on assignment. Um, She kind of educated me along the way in the real art of uh, what to do, which, well, it's get out when you feel too hot, you know, obviously. But uh, along the way, I learned to understand a bit more about how the steam affects you and feel that those changes that were happening in your body are all normal they're all part of it so your heart can start really pounding when you get hot because your body's trying to cool itself down and that in the beginning you know that's a bit can be a bit unnerving and if you've got low blood pressure you can feel a bit faint um until you again you can you can kind of train your body like you can with cold swimming to kind of toughen for want of a better word and just become a bit more resilient towards the changes so it was I mean we had to do it all very quickly this book so it was a as you would say a baptism of fire but um I I think I learned a lot along the way Mm. and um so I actually now can't remember what you what the question no, no, no. Was that you, you asked me. <laughs> as a as a tag on to 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 that question, um, I mentioned there that going into it, uh, my journey with with uh, sauna is that I used to think that you know it was just sweating for sweating's sake, and that you know sweating is normally just a byproduct of doing exercise. But by going to the sauna, you you just bypassing the exercise, uh. which is the majority of um, which is the majority of the benefits, but. What exactly is the benefit in sweating in this environment? Because you hear a lot of people say it's just, you know, it's good to just get a good sweat on. But if you're not actually exercising to achieve it, what is the benefit there of of sweating for? Well, according to Dr. Cullen, sauna Mm. might even be better than exercise for high blood pressure. Wow. Um, And also the idea that that in their research, they're saying that, you know, heating the body... um, in a bath even, or a sauna or a hot tub, creates this uh, positive feedback loop in your brain. So you start to feel good, Mm. which I think is maybe where you're, it's not like sweating with exercise. It's you feel good in a different way when you're in the sauna. Yeah. Because you can feel, um, there's a thing called sauna brain, which is not a scientific term, but it's something that Hackney Community Baths kind of um, identified for for that feeling of when you come out of the sauna and you can't find your clothes, your phone, your money, or <laughs> you're just gone off onto some other planet, which again is different from the feeling of doing exercise. Mm. 
it's a different high it's or it's more of a sort of you feel quite zoned out yeah I don't know if you do but but I can feel quite zoned out when I've been in a really hot sauna but in a good way yeah yeah Um, I was I was gonna say um I think you mentioned in the book that in Japan um the sauna is referred to as the third space um and and they they draw on this idea of sauna and mindfulness and for me as you mentioned there when I'm in the sauna um I normally do it at night after I go to the gym but I almost when I'm in there I almost feel this sort of overwhelming sense of peace and I think because you are you know in there and you're focused on the 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 heat and and the sort of task at hand you're not really thinking about all the the stresses of life you're not really thinking about what you've got to do in the office tomorrow you're not Mm. really thinking about you know your mortgage payment in that environment you're just focused on the now I was just wondering if you can sort of elaborate on your experience between sauna and mindfulness yes because you've also you're focusing the heat is kind you're focusing on the now but your the heat is also um doing something to you that you can't control mm. whereas mindfulness you're trying to you're trying to control your mind and you you can try and do that in the sauna yeah but then the heat will do something else to mm. you and and so it, it's a very different it's a different thing it's quite hard to explain but um I always find that the moment like you've done the first first sauna and rinse and everything and your body's warm starting to get really warm and then you have that that second sweat and when you're when you really start sweating and um that for me is like a bit of a transitional moment that's when sort of everything seems to melt (laughs) the brain as well Mm. the body's really hot and sweating and then the mind just kind of yields to the heat I think that uh and and in a way it's not mindfulness because I'm not controlling how I'm not controlling that process yeah yeah that makes sense beyond my powers uh, and that's also quite not what the the thing that's quite nice about it do you if you if i'm probably not explaining myself no I, I see what you mean it maybe mindfulness wasn't the right word when i was trying to explain that feeling but yeah there, there is a sense of uh of escapism i guess is what i was trying to get at yeah for sure i mean you can't you you know all the small you go in there with these problems in your head and then you suddenly can see the bigger picture sometimes you mm. think okay of course or you can let things go yeah. because it's so hot you think well, I, can't, I can't be worrying about that anymore <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've just I, got to <laughs> be in here and and so you do let a lot of the superfluous things around you that maybe are not so important that take up loads of headspace they fall away they do and I think that the heat plays a big part in that process. Maybe it makes it a kind of fast track to that mm. sometimes because, you know, you generally can't really stay in for more than like 20, 30 minutes maybe yeah. or less if it's a really hot sauna. Yeah. Um, whereas with mindfulness, I don't know, how long would it take you to uh, feel like you've cleared your head? Maybe the same amount of time, but 
And I suppose that if you did want to think about your problems in there, I, in a weird way, it can go the opposite way. I think some of the deepest conversations I've ever had um, with my friend have taken place in a sauna and I don't Mm. know what it is, Mm. but there's something about that environment. um, I'm not sure if it's something to do with the fact that you know, it, it is a it is a proven thing that if two people go through something that's hard together, mm. and it does forge a deeper connection between the two of them. I'm not sure if that's what it is, but I feel like the sauna is a very good place to connect. And you, mm. you, I don't know why that is. Do you have that experience? Yeah, totally. And you can have that connection, like you're saying, with a friend where you go into something quite deep. Yeah. Or you can go in not knowing a soul and have a really good conversation with the person next to you about anything. And then you can leave the sauna and never see each other again. And that's fine Mm. as well. So you can have conversations on all the levels that you, any level of conversation in there. And that's quite unusual in a space like that, I think. Uh, So, you know, it can be, or you can just be in silence if you don't want yeah. to talk to anyone that is also really acceptable if someone's trying to make conversation with you and you don't want to talk then that's really not seen as rude in a sauna so yeah. it, it's a really good environment for connecting or disconnecting yeah. whichever way quite often it's a combination of all those things I find like in my local sauna which is packed and there's queues to get in there at the weekend it'll go in waves and everyone will suddenly pay attention to the notice on the door that says speak softly and be be aware of other people and they'll all be whispering and quiet and then the volume goes up a notch and then up another notch and then up and then suddenly it's like this pub-like environment Mm. and everyone's laughing and talking and then the energy will shift again because the other thing is it's it's constantly changing because people are going in and out yeah so you're not stuck in there for a really long period of time Mm. and so then someone will go out and people will go quiet again and then it and so it 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 changes a lot and that it's really I don't know any other space where that happens no I you you something you mentioned there I remember uh, reading your book when it was described as sort of a a healthy version of a pub in that you know there's, there's there's plenty of different characters in there you're never short of conversation but the beautiful part is, is that, you know, silence is always respected, um, you know, whereas in a pub, you may, you, you know, if you, you may be looked at as a little bit introverted if you're quiet, but it, it, it's completely respected in a sauna. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I've really noticed about uh, saunas and one of the main reservations um, from people I know when they, you know, maybe are a bit nervous about going to the sauna is this idea of, you know, being physically vulnerable. Um, you know, you, you if you're a man, you you, you uh, your top is off. You everyone is in. You know, they bathe in suits, for example. But in my experience, the sauna is one of the sort of least judgmental places mm. because everyone who's going there all agrees that this is for every. You know, is for your physical benefit and mental benefit, and so no one's looking at another person saying, well, "What are they doing in here?" You know. No. Like sometimes when you go to the gym, um, you know, people may get a bit judgmental of other people. Or what are they doing? Mm-hmm. And you're doing that exercise. They don't know what they're doing. They shouldn't be mm. in this gym. But the sauna, I find, is is just a very 
you know, non-judgmental place. And I yeah. think a lot of people are scared because they think they're going to go in there and they have to be body conscious. But mm -hmm. I find it's, it's quite the opposite. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And that's the thing that the Scandinavians always say, everyone is equal in the sauna. Mm. And you leave, you leave everything outside there. You yeah. leave your jobs, your status, your job, your well, all the things that we carry around with us and your phone, by the way, you leave that outside as well, which is another really big thing Yeah, that uh, is brilliant for making people less self-conscious. You know, you're not going to be filmed with your just in your swimming trunks by someone or yeah. there's nothing like that going on. And the more you do this, I was very self-conscious when I started doing the book because uh, I was in. We went to Scandinavia. Maya, the photographer who is Finnish, first job, she just got her camera out, uh, acclimatised it in the sauna, stripped off, fully naked, grabbed the camera, went back in the sauna. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> now, yeah. too deep, I'm not used to this at all. No. Um, so the nudity was a challenge for me, but but we're not talking about nudity. We're just talking about, swimming trunks and everything which is also a challenge for lots of people I really understand that yeah but but like you say people aren't judging you and everyone's in the same boat and over time that gets a bit easier you know I really I still the nudity thing uh, I'm better with but being in my swim swimwear I'm completely fine with that yeah. I mean in Germany and the Netherlands and quite and East, lots of places in Eastern Europe, nudity is compulsory in the sauna. So you have to just um, get a sarong or a towel and just, um, if you want to have a sauna, that's what you have to do. So, but but in the UK, I think we we would never, we, we've had lots of conversations about this, about, I don't know if this is a topic you want to go on to. Oh, please, please. Nudity in the sauna in the British mindset. Yeah. Um, and um, that how that probably won't take off in the UK. No, I can't imagine it. No, no. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that, that that sort of transferring here. Just, and I don't know why that is. Maybe it's just, I don't think our culture is, you know, very, would be very open to that idea. I think it would... <laughs> you know, cause a lot of arguments and a lot of problems that other countries, especially the Scandinavian ones, seem to just be able to get on with. Yes, exactly. It's a shame, really, isn't it, that we were a bit buttoned up for that. Yeah. Well, when I... Um, what I was just mentioning there about when I, I go to the sauna at the end of my gym session, normally in the night, um, and for me, I find that whenever I have a sauna, and I normally jump straight from the sauna into a cold pool, um, when I get home, those are the nights that I sleep the best. Mm. And I'm not sure, you know, that could just be a placebo effect. That could just be because I feel a bit like I've just unwinded a little bit. But I always feel that I sleep deeper. And when I wake up in the morning, I'm less lethargic. I'm more alert. I'm more, once I'm up, I'm ready to go, mm. which is always the sign of a good sleep. Do we know any direct links between frequent sauna use and sleep health? They they keep trying to prove it. Mm. And in Japan is one of the places where where sauna is huge in Japan. Yeah. And that's one of the big um 
areas of research where they're trying to to kind of prove that they don't know yet what it does exactly to you that that it why it helps you sleep but um it does it's it's the same for me and also you feel really hungry as well when you come out not straight away because you need to cool down but you know it, they say in um, Finland, nut food tastes the best after a sauna. Mm. It never tastes as good as after a sauna and then sleep as well. So um, it, I don't know if it's just to do with with the serotonin levels mm. and, and all the, the feel-good hormones all come into play, you know, oxyto- oxytocin and um, dopamine and serotonin. They're all secreted in the sauna and whether that has some kind of effect on our nervous systems that calms us down and helps us sleep. I don't know. Yeah. The real ins and outs of that. It's again, it's one of those things, as I mentioned earlier, it's one of those things where, yes, they, they haven't been able to to prove it. There's not a, a definite yes, but I think anyone that actually goes there, it's just one of those things that you just, it's hard to explain. You can't explain it with logic, but you can just explain um, it with experience. Exactly. There's the other thing is there's lots of unknowns, like with lots of these things with sauna. You can't prove we know it because we practice it. Yeah. But scientists can't can't prove them, which is also part of the appeal because then there's something kind of esoteric that's happening there yeah. that that can't be measured, which. I think adds to the kind of appeal in a way. Mm. I mean, you know, the, in the olden days in, in Scandinavia, they believed that the sauna was like a liminal space between the dead and the living and lots of um, rituals to connect with the ancestors would happen in the sauna. They'd pour water on the rocks and there'd be lots of spirits that would come out and, and it was this, this um, transcendental space Mm. Um, and lots of those old ideas uh, that had been sort of forgotten are now quite back um, back in the in the kind of mainstream now in in Finland Estonia um, Norway rituals in the sauna where where you talk about these deeper things so it's it is interesting because just it's just a space where where things happen that make you feel good but we we can't prove why always yeah you mentioned there and you said it a couple of times now is is this idea of pouring water on the rocks now in my sauna that i use it is in a gym it's in a hotel gym um it's not that fancy it's just your your run-of-the-mill gym sauna there are no rocks to pour water on or anything like that but are there is there a vast difference in the benefits of just your bog standard gym hotel sauna and the type of saunas that you've experienced out in Finland with these you know these rocks and these natural ways of having a sauna is there a vast difference in the benefits probably not in the benefits mm, but, um, but in the experience they're yeah. different so the hotel gym saunas and my sauna at the Lido, you can't pour water on the rocks. Mm-hmm. And it and in Japan, the moment you could start pouring water on the rocks was the moment that sauna took off there because it makes it more like a 
you can change the texture of the room. So then you pour water on and you get all this steam and it's like this huge rush and you can play with the temperatures. Yeah. So you can have heat peaks and then the heat drops away. So it makes for um, a much richer sauna experience in terms of, you know, hopefully one day in the UK, we will be able to pour sauna on the rocks because that it that adds an extra dimension to having a sauna and places like Hackney Community Bars and Beach Box Brighton, you can do that. And some of the beach saunas, they're following the more Scandi traditions where you can do that as well. But in terms of how it actually impacts your body, maybe there's not so much difference. I don't know, but um, it would be good if we could do that here in more places. Yeah. yeah. Um, Hopefully down the line when sauna becomes really big we'll be able to like like what happened in japan yeah i mean i th- I think maybe we'll get it that you know that the way it is going and the way you mentioned there about being able to manipulate the the heat yourself i suppose the the closest thing we have to that in a gym sauna is when the the gym employee opens the door to do a temperature <laughs> check and it completely drops the temperature yeah. um, that's the only sort of experience with with drops and uh, and peaks that we have and my like and mine at the Lido, it's when the door because it's so busy, the door is open all constant. the time. Yeah. So it's constant in and out. So it actually doesn't even really get that hot. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's better than nothing. We have to Definitely. we have to it's a starting point in the UK. It's a very it's not we haven't got you know centuries of tradition behind us with sauna. We do with bathing and swimming, but not with the sauna, but so you know, it's early steps. I, I would like to think that we can get a bit more that gyms and hotels and and lidos and play will be a bit more open to the idea of letting you pour water on the rocks or maybe letting having a sort of sauna a, a, like a ritual, a sauna master coming in and doing a little ceremony yeah. with something like that because it would be it's so brilliant you know it's it's really those rituals are really great and also if you're finding the heat difficult they take your mind off the heat so you stay in for longer which is good for you so <laughs> we mentioned a lot about the the benefits of the sauna. i think everyone listening is is convinced by this point and they probably all have the same question and that is when they go into their local sauna, when they've when they've decided to step into that sauna, what sort of temperature should they be looking for? Because I think in my uh, gym, every time I look at the temperature gauge, it's normally the same. I don't think I've ever seen it move. I'm not even sure it works. What temperature is it? It's normally around 70, but it just doesn't yeah. move at all. So I'm not convinced <laughs> it's actually working. They might just be trying to trick me. But what sort of temperature should we be looking for when we step in? Yeah, I think 70, 60 upwards, those are the right temperatures. Yeah. Um, you can have going at 40 if you want a really gentle sauna. I think around 70 is my perfect temperature, really, or 70, 80. And then, you know, then you start getting into the, there's the whole other uh, sauna, kind of competitive saunering at really high temperatures where they yes. do all these contests in Scandinavia, you know, and people like die and stuff because they yeah, do yeah. it so far it's a um, very dangerous world that yeah but that's that's not the world for me no but I, I did go into a few of those saunas for about 
three seconds <laughs> when I was doing the book and I actually thought I thought my forehead was going to melt my eyeballs actually filmed over it was so hot it was intense but it was fun to do that but I am not for a minute suggesting that that's yeah. you know I, I think your, your gym temperature temperature whether it's working whether it's working whether it isn't sounds about sounds right, about right yeah. yeah so yeah. about 70 um and how i know we mentioned this it's all it's until you get hot but is there any science to it in as far as you're concerned or have you felt any better for it when you play with time in like maybe 10 minutes in five out ten in or is it staying in there just for a consistent amount of time what have you found works best for you well it's always whatever mood i'm in that day well, okay because we feel different every day our bodies are different every day yeah so i don't i'm definitely not a sort of timing myself with my swimming or i'm not a competitive um yeah. cold swimmer or sauna person it's about listening it's about listening to your body so sometimes it will be 10 minutes but and then going and having a very small cool off but but actually the space after cooling off is really nice as well Definitely. when you're just in that kind of zone of not being hot and not being cold or you're you're really warm on the inside your core is really warm still because of the sauna but your extremities are cold because you've yeah. swum so you're hot and cold at the same time mm -hmm. and I really like that feeling as well and I can't think of any other place where you'd get that feeling yeah. apart from sauna with a cold plunge. I mean, they might be people, your listeners might know, but I can't think of anywhere where you get that particular feeling. Mm. And that's one of the big attractions, I think. And then it's just sort of about taking time to, to just enjoy that moment without rushing back in or rushing back out. Just being in that middle space but yeah it really depends but I think if you're a beginner you don't want to overdo it because you don't want to put yourself off so you know you can like five minutes eight minutes ten minutes I don't know how long you stay in for do you I I tried to go in for about probably 15 to 20 minutes yeah. at the end of my gym session and I, I for me I find that's that's probably enough for me. That's when I yeah. start to, 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 to struggle with it. Um, but I at least try and get 15 minutes in, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You do feel good after that. But I mean, if you're new to sauna, that would feel probably quite challenging, 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, so just um, people, people in the Lido who are new to sauna, who've come for the cold swimming to try it, knowing that there's a sauna to warm up in. So the, the sauna is like a kind of security blanket for the, for the new swimmers there. And lots of them won't stay in either of those environments for very long at all, but you build up to it. You can, I mean, and then you get to the point where like, you know, they on Saturday night in Estonia, they, it's seven hours of sauna. <laughs> going in coming out having some beers going back in so it becomes a, a really long drawn out really fun evening and then lots of food at the end of it 
Yeah, so, it really is a pub at that point. Um, yeah, they do it. Really, yeah, they do it so differently. I mean, I, I just when I was going through your your book and I was looking at um some of the photographs of the different types of saunas, I was, you know, taken back by how far that in in these Scandinavian countries they almost treat sauna like an art form. Everything's so so meticulous and everything's so you know, planned out and every design has a thought behind it. It's very different to what we experience here. It really is a, it's like an art form. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of books that have been written about how to design the perfect sauna. It's a lot of uh, Facebook groups. It's a big topic mm. because people design, people build saunas as a hobby there. Yeah. You know, in the winter, we found when we were doing the book, we came across sort of like, in Lapland, ice saunas that had been carved out of were on frozen lakes and had been carved out of the ice taken from the lake with these huge chainsaws. The cold had welded the sauna onto the lake, onto the frozen lake, and then they'd cut a little avanto, the, they call it the ice hole, and and that. Some of these saunas were on skis, so they could be pulled around <laughs> to different locations wow. on the lake. Yeah. So sauna building is a big topic. And like you say, a lot of thought goes into it. And a lot of thought goes into the, the stove and the height of the benches. And the ventilation is a really important factor because if it's not well ventilated, it feels really stuffy and you can't stay in there very long. So actually is quite a complicated thing if yeah. you were going to build your own but but at the same time you know if you've got a fire and some walls and some benches you can make your, yeah. <laughs> your own sauna yeah it, um there's a lot of um there's a lot of um pedants in mm. in in that well like in anything about what the way saunas are designed and whether they're good or bad or um, what's wrong and with them. And there's a lot of uh, criteria. Out of all the different saunas that I imagine you've been in through you know, your journey of writing this book, what is the sort of best single sauna experience you've had? I can't imagine it's the one in your local Lido. No, but my local lighter was a good source of research yeah. in some ways. Um, but it was, we went to Estonia and we met an artist in Estonia who is from the south of the country where sauna, uh, smoke sauna tradition, which is the, the, the chimneyless sauna where, so you light a a fire and you heat the rocks and all the walls go black with the soot and then you empty out the smoke and then you go into this dark black sooty hut and lots of water gets poured on the rocks of the sea um and he invited us to go for one of these smoke saunas in estonia so of course we said yes <laughs> and so we went down and we'd heard that in estonia they uh cover themselves in ether or they've had a tradition of, of covering themselves in ether and going in the sauna to get into some altered state and that Viper's, Viper's blood was drunk and all sorts of things. We'd heard all these, all these um, stories going around. And so we, we were 
we were a bit apprehensive, yeah, shall we sure. say, as we set off from Tallinn down to the south of Estonia. And um, we turned up at this guy's house and he had built, like lots of people, he'd built all his own saunas on his land, which because sauna building is a pastime. Um, and they were next to, they're usually next to a pond. That's also part of it. So he had this beautiful wooden sauna next to a pond, smoke sauna. So we got there and he'd, he, the, the sauna had been lit like seven hours before because it takes ages to warm up. And uh, so then we we had the whole night of about seven hours of saunering in the smoke sauna, which means going in, coming out, swimming in the lake, chilling out for a bit, going back in. Someone took a musical instrument in there. Um, we, we went off to another sauna on the other side of the lake. We came back. So that was the whole ritual of a sauna. And that was that. And everyone was naked, men and women together. So that was also quite a challenge for me. But um, so it was it was totally out of this world. It was an incredible experience. It really was. It was amazing. Wow. Yeah. Um, and there are places where you can go in Estonia, you can book sauna experiences like that with rituals and and go really learn about the um, the healing powers of sauna. Yeah. yeah. Well, when you were describing that then, what came to my mind is um, this idea of scenery and, and outdoors and nature. And for me, um, this is something I experienced lately. I, I went to a couple of, well, about a month ago, I was in Slovenia um, and I went to Lake Bled and I was oh, sw swimming okay. in the lake. It's beautiful. We got really mm. early and we, we jumped in and we were swimming. I'd love to go there. And there was something about, I don't know why, I've never really done any form of, of swimming in, in lakes or anything outside of a swimming pool, to be honest. But there was something when I came out of the lake, I just felt sort of reinvigorated. I felt energized. I felt almost a sense of, of healing. Um, and it was quite um, it was quite a rough trip in the sense that we were we were into railing, so we were you know, living out of a bag. But when I got out of that lake, I felt like re-energized and sort of, it just felt like, a, it just felt healthier coming out of it. Mm. It, was, it was a weird experience. I wonder what your experience is like in nature sort of promoting recovery. Yeah, 100%, 100% believe in that um as do as do do all the people that we interviewed even people in the cities you know everybody in the sauna world who we met would believe in the power of nature yeah. and and luckily in those parts of the world they have access to it as well <laughs> it more readily than we do living in cities or whatever which is the challenge yeah. um but yes i mean they they in Finland, they have a peat treatment where you have a peat sauna. So you go out to a, a peat bog and you grab the peat out of the bog and you cover your whole body in this peat and you go and sit in the sauna and the, and the peat has lots of healing properties for your skin. So if you've got eczema or psoriasis, it's very good for skin conditions and and so on. Um, but just being in that environment with a, with a pond to swim in, or the trees around you, or or even the act of lighting the fire with, if it's a wood-fired sauna, hmm. getting the wood, chopping the wood, or not even chopping it, getting the wood and putting it in the fire, and it's all very 
because it's all wooden as well as natural materials. So you feel it feels very elemental making a fire and sitting in a hot room and getting warm next to a fire. Yeah. There's something so simple about that. Mm. Um, but so that, uh, yes, sauna and, and lots of those places as well. They locate them in really beautiful settings. Yeah. Deliberately, people have their summer cottage and it's got a sauna attached to it. And so the summer cottage sauna is the benchmark by which all saunas are, are sort of graded because that combination of being in nature, swimming, being in the sauna. I mean, we could do that here. We've yeah. got enough nature yeah. and we've got enough water. It's not like we haven't got places in the UK where where we could... We have a similar landscape in lots of places here. It's um, yeah, you know, it's not un, it's not impossible. Yeah, there are definitely places. There are definitely places. I mean, I can't quite jump in the the River Taff and have the same experience <laughs> as jumping in uh, Lake Bled, but you can certainly so, find them if you go looking. Yeah, yeah, or if you live somewhere and you, there are quite a few sauna builders, you know, in Wales and Cornwall and Scotland, those mm. places where it's easier to, to do that kind of thing. But yeah, for, for for those of us living in cities, it's more, it's more challenging. And but getting out to nature, it's has to be a cure, surely. And they prescribe it in Scandinavia as well, trips yeah. to nature. Which we we are starting to do here with social prescribing, but we've still got a long way to go, haven't we? Definitely. Well, the last question uh, I want to ask you before we let these guys know where they can find the book. Um, I ask every guest this question. It's sort of uh, nothing to do with doesn't have to be anything to do with the the work or the book. Just for you, it could be the answer to this could be your family, it could be your work, whatever. But for Emma O'Kelly, what makes life worth living? Oh, my gosh. That's a big question. <laughs> it is. It is a big question. <laughs> yes, it's... Well, it is family, of course. Mm. Loved ones. Yeah. Loved ones makes life worth living. Mm. For sure. And luckily, when you get in the sauna, you can be with your loved ones. Loved loved ones in the sauna. That's that's what they do a lot there. Family night, family sauna nights. Wow. Probably a very good way of communicating with your family. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I imagine it uh, leads to a lot less arguments than maybe sat down in front of the TV. Yeah. <laughs> exactly (laughs) well we've spoken a lot about this book today please let everyone know where they can find a copy of this book and where they connect with yourself on social media so the book is on amazon and wh smiths and waterstones and it's on it's coming out on the 14th of september but it's obviously available to pre-order on amazon and with me i've got my website emmaokelly.co.uk or my Instagram, which is emmaokelly10. Um, and those are the main places to connect with me. Amazing. And, or email, but no. <laughs> yeah. But those, no. I wouldn't recommend yeah. that one. No, um, no, I'm not good at social media, <laughs> as you know. So <laughs> probably quite hard to connect with. <laughs> well, 
thank you so much for coming on the show today. I thoroughly enjoyed the book. It's clear that uh, a lot of work has gone into putting this together. I think it, it really shows uh, with the book. It's you know it, the information in the book is so valuable. It's accompanied by so many beautiful photographs. It's clear a lot of work and a lot of uh, heart and soul went into it. So thank you for writing it. And thank you for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, and happy saunering. <laughs>